0: Welcome to the Alice Airguns Podcast. On this episode, we talk to airgun enthusiast Eric Fry, the friend of David from Black Arts Design. We talk about his musical career, his airgun collection, and the wild animals he captures on trail cameras. So I wanted to record with you because David mentioned you a few times, and you sound like a interesting cat. So I thought, why not ask him on? You know.
1: Well, I'd, like I said before, I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, what I can add to the uh, the whole air gun conversation other than just being an, an enthusiast and uh, maybe maybe an interesting character for some people.
0: So, David mentioned that you were in a band and they even had a song released in a movie like uh, Me, Myself, and Irene. Let's hear about that.
1: Well, there's not a lot to tell. The, uh, we had no idea it was going to happen. The uh, uh, record company made that whole deal happen, and uh, we didn't know about it until the movie came out. And, you know, I've spent my millions from that uh, on air guns. <laughs> no, I actually, actually, I, I, didn't see one red cent from the whole deal. Oh man! Yeah, the record company made money, and they're like, we'll and the the you know the movie like, we'll get you on the back end. We'll get you on the points later. Nah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that we even made it on the the actual soundtrack. I don't think we did.
0: Well, at least it's a good movie, you know. It's a good
1: movie. Good movie.
0: So, what got you into air guns originally?
1: You know. Geez, years and years ago, I was in the firearms industry. And I, actually, I shouldn't even go back before that. When I was a kid growing up, my twin brother and I and the uh, kids in the neighborhood, we all had, you know, pneumatic pump up air rifles. You know, everybody else had the little da- daisies and things like that. And my dad, you know, my family comes from a long line of target shooters and competition shooters and stuff like that. So we had the old uh, uh, Benjamin Sheridan's. And, uh, you know, the 20-cal ones, and they were so much better than what my friends had. And he had put on William's peep sights on all of them. And, you know, so we we shot better than everybody else. So that, that was really my introduction to them and to, you know, as far as quality air guns compared to what other people were shooting around me. That was where it started. And then, you know, fast forward a, a few decades and, and there I am in the, uh, the firearms industry and a guy that I worked with, uh, he was into shooting air guns and he got me into, uh, Diana, uh, Springer, uh, had a, a model 36, which is like a fancy 34, which is, you know, kind of an industry standard and a hunting standard for everybody. And then later on, I got a 48, and that's really where I started with my adult air guns was through Diana Springer's, and boy, I just had a had a ball with those for for decades. I remember I think that uh, that 36, you know, it's stamped on the side, made in West Germany, and that's kind of a big deal, you know, the 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 uh, manufactured date on it was. I think 10 of 87 or 88. So that's as long as I've had that one, you know.
0: So that one's not, not a commie gun.
1: Not a commie gun.
0: That's too funny. So when did you
1: meet David? David and I have been friends for uh, 20 years. It's a little over 20 years. He was friends with my twin brother. And uh, they were both into saltwater aquariums. and That's how they knew each other. And, uh, unfortunately my, my twin brother had a head injury about 20 years ago and Dave and I got a lot closer after that because he would come to visit Jim and and while I was taking care of him. So that just really solidified our friendship. I saw what a quality human being that Dave was to, you know, most of Jim's friends kind of fell by the wayside after that you know a lot of people can't handle that kind of thing but Dave much to his credit man he he kept coming he kept you know holding on to faith for him so that's that's how how we became acquainted
0: yeah it's interesting that you guys are friends because coming from someone that listens to voices and analyzes voices quite a bit I actually thought that you were David when you called and I picked up the phone I was like oh is this David and it wasn't (laughs) yeah and then he said something colloquial and i realized that it wasn't david after all but it was funny but yeah david is a great guy and on that note he did send me a few questions to ask you so oh boy this um, makes me nervous yeah okay here we go were you ever mugged in san francisco and why would a homeless person find that entertaining
1: <laughs> um well someone attempted to mug me in san francisco uh this was when uh Back in that band that I was in, we, we had toured uh, pretty heavily. We'd be out on the road for eight weeks at a time and come home for two weeks and then back out on the road for eight weeks, you know, and living out of a, an RV. So that's your home, you know, for a long time. And all these guys are your brothers in arms. And, you know, me being the, you know, coming from a, a shooting background and a self-defense background and all that, I, I carried a gun with me. And I had it usually in my back pocket, and you know it's you know i'm I'm not sure what the statutes of limitations in is on this and, <laughs> but California tends to frown on on things like that uh we were in San Francisco setting up to uh play with uh Lee rocker from the Stray cats. We were opening for him at this club, and we we're there for sound check and load in and whatnot. And everybody else was inside the the club, and I was, for whatever reason, had gone out to the RV and locking things up and climbing outside of the, the passenger door, I get out there and there's some guy standing there like blocking me in, and I turn around, there he is, I'm eye to eye with him, and he says, uh, he looks at me and looks at the RV, and he goes, hey, nice nice RV, and I say, uh, hey, thanks." And he says, you, uh, you from out of town? And I said, yeah, I'm from Arizona. And he goes, huh, give me your wallet. <laughs> and he was, like, was like going down this checklist. And uh, I couldn't believe what he said. I was, I was what? What did you say? And he said, I said, give me your wallet. And I looked down at his hands, and he didn't have anything in his hands to rob me with. So I reached in my back pocket and I pulled the pistol out and I said, "Uh, you mean this wallet? And he looks down at at my hands at the pistol and he looks back at me and he just turns around on his heels and walks down the street. And there was this bum who had been, uh, I don't know if we can even call him bums anymore. He was a homeless guy. He was sitting on the sidewalk up against the club wall there and uh, the security guy for the club, they were talking, they watched this whole thing happen and the uh the homeless guy, he gets he just thought that was the most hysterical thing he'd ever seen. He gets up cackling, just so loud, following this guy down the street. And he's right on his heels and he he's yelling at the guy, you don't fuck with Arizona. So <laughs> So that was my that was my mugging in uh, San Francisco.
0: Yeah, you don't bring a open palm to a gunfight. <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah, I uh lived in San Francisco for 5 years. I went to school there and yeah, I went there for school, but I absolutely hated it. It was the worst 5 years of my life and there's just no good kosher schools in California. Oh. Not one unless you're talking about like Biola or something. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up going to San Francisco State cuz I had this friend that pleaded with me to go to San Francisco State. And I said, you know, I have all these other universities lined up, they're full sunshine and surfing. And I was kind of set my heart on going to one of these other universities, but he convinced me. He's like, you got to come here it's a great department and all that. Are you no, sure he was a friend? Oh, exactly. Now get this, like, so two weeks later after me showing up and all, he totally bills and leaves me in San Francisco. And so for five years, I lived in this really crappy city. It was just crazy, but people get robbed there all the time. So I'm not surprised to hear your story at all. Tenderloin, people get robbed there all the time. It's only a couple blocks from downtown. People that are not city people walk over there and just get robbed very casually
1: that is funny you know the to add to that while we were uh staying in San, we were staying outside of san francisco up in the hills and i forget it, uh, the lady that whose uh, apartment she loaned to us while she was out of town uh she gave us the key uh and we roll up there after playing the gig and we had uh two or three nights stand there in san francisco playing different clubs excuse me and uh we get to the apartment and the there's a note inside that says please leave the back door open my cat got out and i want to leave it open in case she comes back and please leave food out for her so we're like okay we can do that so the next night we leave for the club that we're going to play leave the back door open and this is up in the hills and you know it's you know, trees and wilderness and whatnot. And when we come back, you know, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, we come inside and it somebody had broken into the place. Every drawer was open and emptied. Every cabin, kitchen cabinet opened everything out on the floor. Everything was a mess. There was, it. they had just ransacked the place. And we start looking around and we realize that everywhere there was a mess, there was these m- tiny little muddy footprints from raccoons. And we open up the back door that she had us leave open. And sure as shit, there was about 11 raccoons out there looking at us like we had spoiled all their fun. Well, the next day, <laughs> we, we thought we'd scared them off. And the next day, we go to go to the next you know, club date that we're doing. We're like, do we leave the, the back door open again or do we uh, close it? And we're like, well, her cat is still out there and she's nice enough to let us stay here. We should probably leave it open. You see where this is going. That was a big mistake. We come back to the same crime scene. It was terrible. Two nights of mopping up and cleaning up this poor lady's apartment. It was... Yeah, San Francisco, man.
0: That At least it wasn't a uh, homeless person or something like that.
1: Exactly.
0: I actually have a pretty good story about a homeless encounter that I had. I had... Um, been living on the southern side of the Golden Gate Park on about like 48th and Judah somewhere around there and my good friend lived on the northern side of the Golden Gate Park so anyway so I lived on the southern side he lived on the northern side and we were hanging out one time really late at night at his house on the northern side and sure enough the buses stopped working around like 2am. So just decided that I would take a shortcut rather than walk all the way up and go through one of the official cross streets that goes through the park. So I just took a shortcut through the park and Incidentally, I like stepped on a homeless dude, like obviously in his house or something like that in the middle of the bushes, and he started freaking out, and he, he got up, and he's like, oh, I'm going to murder you, and he started chasing me, and it was it was like a scene out of a horror movie, and sure enough, I was running as fast as I could, and I totally freaked fell down slipped and like sprained my ankle there's classic blonde move in a horror movie and it was completely insane and i got through the other side of the park obviously and the adrenaline kicked in so i didn't end up getting murdered but i called my good friend i said yo man i just uh almost got murdered and i was still like had all this adrenaline he's like cool dude cool story uh i'm going to bed
1: (laughs) is this the same friend who got you out to san francisco
0: no no this was a different horrible friend they can't all be uh, David you know what I mean
1: no they can't all be Dave
0: so you got David into air guns then
1: yeah yeah I uh, I kept telling him uh, about you know I had graduated to PCP air guns a few years ago about I don't know five or six years ago when I was telling him about them and he was like oh that sounds really interesting you know and I uh had him shoot a couple of them and he's like, oh, these are really neat. And uh, that was like right, you know, right when the gauntlet had first come out and it was like, uh, you know, this regulated uh, $300 PCP. And I was like, you know, this is a way to see if I can be either as good a friend or as bad a friend to get him addicted to this too, you know, have him go down the rabbit hole as well with me. And, uh, so I got him that for Christmas one year and that was it. He was hooked. He could not believe how accurate that little $300 gun was and how much fun it was. And, you know, both of us come from a firearms background where, you know, I mean, you got to go out to the middle of nowhere to shoot nowadays and you got to spend half your paycheck on uh, ammunition. So, you know, to buy a tin of match grade ammo you know 500 rounds for around 20 bucks it's like it's a no-brainer you don't have to go anywhere we, we've got enough property on both both of our houses so where we can shoot at home and we can do pest control or we can do uh uh target practice i can stretch out on my property out to 100 yards and uh, down my front driveway and, and you know i've got i think eight or nine steel targets down there at different ranges and and we've just had a, a ton of fun with them, you know, and it's, it's my my first uh, powder burner friend who I've converted over to the dark side. Everybody else thinks we're wackadoos. We probably
0: are. Yeah, I saw your email that had uh, 1911 in it. So I was, saw that. I was like, oh, this guy's a good guy. He's a, he's a good guy. So on your Instagram, this last like two days, you've released a million photos and videos of all these animals coming in your backyard. I couldn't even like them all looks like you got bobcats and road runners and pigs in your backyard. It's quite a, quite a collection of animals you got going through there.
1: That's a, a javelina. It's not actually even a pig per se, but they look very much like pigs. And when you cook them right in a, you know, a, a pit barbecue type of deal, they come out like some of the best pulled pork you could do. Uh, but they, they are, uh, you know, a, a native, uh, animal here in the sonoran desert and uh they're they can be dangerous and they can be very cute and very destructive and a lot of fun or a huge pain in the ass depending on who you're talking to
0: so do they belong to like a rat family of animal or like what kind of animal are they then if they're not a pig you know
1: i can't remember exactly what they are related to but their their true name is a, it's a collared peccary and they're called uh, javelina. I think that's, you know, the, the Mexican name for them that is kind of stuck around here. They're called stink pigs and, uh, you know, because they've got a, a scent gland on their back. When, so when you're dressing them out, you know, if you hit that wrong, it just, it spoils
0: the meat. What's their actual name? A peckered, or I'm sorry, a collared peccary. Well, wow, that sounds like a uh, curse word you'd use, you know, against someone. Doesn't trying. it? Yeah. Doesn't it? So they have like a stink area on their body a gland that you have to avoid when you're dressing it
1: yeah if you're if you're dressing it out and you hit it with your knife or if you're shooting it and you hit it too high and you get it on their back it's it's a scent gland it's uh it can it can be a real problem if you're hunting them for the meat
0: so what makes them uh dangerous
1: oh they can be uh super aggressive and you know like uh like wild boars and and feral hogs and whatnot they have those uh uh those canine teeth are theirs, and they'll snap them at you, you know, to, to warn you. They'll just kind of <laughs> clack them at you to say, hey, fucker, back off, you know. Especially if they've got uh, babies. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want to mess with them. They're, they, can be, they can be dangerous. And their eyesight is horrible, absolutely horrible. So they don't even know they're on top of you until they're on top of you. You know, they, and they run into you or they smell you finally. And then, you know, they go from being fine to scared out of their minds. So it's fight or flight for these guys. Either they'll run or they'll come at you. And it's, it can be ugly. I've I've had them gore a couple of my dogs and it's, it's not pretty, man. That cost me a few thousand dollars to fix those dogs up.
0: Have you ever hunted one?
1: I have not. I've had a lot of friends who have, and uh, I used to belong to a, uh, uh, rod and gun club out here in the Tucson area and it was actually called the Tucson rod and gun club it was just down the road from where I live now and uh, it's closed now but but they used to have an annual javelina you know a pig roast you know a, a barbecue and they would they would do that uh, that open pit uh, cooking of, of these these guys from everybody who had uh, hunted one that season and, and they would bring them in and man they make they make a good pulled pork sandwich i'll tell you that
0: yeah i've always wanted to do like a homemade luau you know just not all the hawaiian food but just the good type of uh you know way to cook the pork and i've just never done it but i have gone to two luau's one when i was a kid that was actually pretty nice and then i went to another one when i got married in maui called the feast of lele but they should have called it the feast of nene because it sucked it was so bad and it cost me like 350 bucks a dish. So you can imagine being like really disappointed when it didn't taste that good. And it was super, super small portions. Yeah, just overall not kosher.
1: That's too I'm bad. Is, it, is, a, is a luau uh, kosher?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, they, no, luau's are definitely not kosher. But if there ever was a luau, that'd be kosher being the one in my backyard. <laughs> So let's hear about your Springer collection. I know you have PCP rifles and all that, but you have a good collection of Springers. It looks like 15 or 20 of them. So let's hear about that. Yeah,
1: I think up in this cabinet behind me right now, I think I've got 14 in there right now. Um, Yeah, I love them They're Like I said, that's where I started with my adult air rifles was with that 36 and that model 48. And then I've, you know, I've, I love the, the British ones. I love the German ones. They're just, you know, I like quality is what I like. And when, you know, if you, if you spend a few extra dollars rather than getting some big box store, uh, you know, a gamma or something like that, that's, you know, the only way they advertise them is, you know, Oh, it does 1100 feet per second, or this is the fastest air gun, you know, velocities ever, you know, Okay, that's great and all, but that's that's not doesn't equate to accuracy. You know, I'd rather have something that shot a little slower and was actually high quality heirloom type of uh, a rifle that it's, you know, highly accurate instead.
0: Okay, hypothetical here. End of the world, you can only take one springer. Which springer will it be? End of the world. See, now that uh or how about Elon Musk has a one-way ticket to Mars, and he's given it to you, and he can only bring one. So which one is it going to be?
1: That's yeah. Right. See, I, I love my TX200 Hunter carbine, but it's a heavy gun. So if it's end of the world and i got to carry this thing around on my back or something.
0: Well, we can make it like the end of Mars situation if you want. It might help. So yeah,
1: that, T, that TX is pretty sweet, i got to say. It's, it's hard to beat. I've got uh, uh Walter LGU that's really nice, another under-lover. Uh, I've got a couple of Diana under-lovers that are nice, but that that TX, man, holy moly, it is a sweetheart. And if you're going to get one, splurge and get the walnut. Don't don't get the beach, get the walnut. Cry once.
0: Do you have any uh, side levers or anything like that?
1: Yeah, that uh, Model 48, that second uh, one that the Diana 48 that's a side lever and man that thing is uh, that's a workhorse I've been shooting that thing I've never had to replace a seal on that since I think I've had that since I'm going to say 89 or so maybe 90 I've never had to replace a thing on that
0: so I see about every possible gun in your collection that I can think of especially high end air guns Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's start with uh, American Air Arms because I see that you have one of those. What's your experience been like?
1: Boy, um, I love them. I absolutely love them. If you were to give me like end of the world scenario as far as PCP goes, and uh, filling it to uh, its you know full capacity with air wasn't an issue, uh, I choose one of those two. Probably, probably the mini twenty two because it's just so versatile. But uh I picked up a a 30 cal not long ago and it's wow. They, Tom knows how to make a gun. That's all I got to say. It's uh they're very very impressive. They're they're spendy. They're very very spendy. But uh man, it's uh it's hard to deny uh what he puts into a gun and what he brings to the table and how he has just simplified it to where it it shoots a broad range of ammunition well without having to tweak it and modify it and tune it and you know, it's a plug and play gun and it's amazing.
0: What um have you had any kind of failures or anything like that with that gun or those guns?
1: No. No, with those.
0: You've got a collection of day states and um, FXs as well, right?
1: I've got I've got one day state. I've got quite a few FX.
0: And uh, what day state model is that? The I've got uh, the Huntsman
1: Regal, and it's uh, it's a sweetheart. It's a sweetheart. I like it very much. There's a lot of day states that you know I would I'd like to have my hands on. Like uh, you know I, I, I'm not into the uh, all the electronic ones that they have, the electronic triggers and things like that. But just uh, an old school, you know, bottle or tube on it and an old school trigger. Those things are, they're amazing. They're just amazing guns.
0: And uh, do you have any brococks or anything like that?
1: I have a lot of brococks. I have uh, some rather old ones and I've got some, some, when they switched over uh, ownership with uh, Daystate and kind of, you know, they, they uh, started making some different ones. My my first Brocock was the, I'm going to have to get this right here. Uh, it was the Concept G6, I think, or Contour. It was a Contour G6, either Concept or Contour. I can't remember, but it's a uh, little, little tiny, uh, carbine, and that was one of my first PCPs that I got, and it has just been throughout the years just an absolute pack rat murder machine. That thing has killed more pack rats on my property than everything else combined. I think.
0: And you said you had a few FX rifles, so uh, which one is your favorite? God, that's
1: hard to say because I love them all. You know, I've got, I've got a Streamline. I've got the Crown Continuum. I've got a Mark 1 Wildcat, a Mark 2 Wildcat Compact. It's hard to to say because they're all so good, and I use them all for different things. You know, the, the Crown is kind of my go-to, uh, put them all in one hole kind of gun. If I'm going to, you know, thinking about doing competition or something, that's the one that I would bring. Uh The streamlined is great for around the, uh, the house for that uh, hundred yard, uh, range that I have for steel. Uh, the wildcats are great for, for hunting. And I, I put on, uh, some night vision scopes or adapters on them. And again, just slaying pack rats around here. Like you wouldn't believe they're just, I just love them. They're so slick. They're so well done. Uh, you know, a lot of people get pissed at FX because they they end up buying one and then the next month they come out with, you know, the new hot shit one that there's a mark uh, eight or whatever, you know. <laughs> so that well, hell you could have told me that beforehand and I would have saved my money and it but you know the this mark one wildcat that I have, it's it's absolutely lights out accurate. I, I have zero complaints. I you know, I I'm not, you know, wringing my hands to wanting to get the, the Mark three or the BT or anything like that. These things are doing their job and they're doing it well. And I think people, you know, they get uh, frustrated or they get, they get, uh, I don't know, I think gadget happy. Like they got to have the new iPhone, you know, they're going to go stand in line for the brand new iPhone when it comes out. And I, I'm just not that guy. I just, You know, these things serve their purposes and they serve them well. And I've got zero complaints, man.
0: When the M3 just got released, I had a few friends that bought the M2 like a month before and they were so upset. They were like, oh, man, if I had just waited a month and this is kind of funny.
1: Yeah, it's hard when you get it under your skin and you got the money burning a hole in your pocket. you, You know, it's hard to hold off. I, I get it you know it gets exciting I, re- I remember when uh, I, I got the streamline I was asking the guys at AOA back when they were still FX dealers I asked them uh, you know what's the deal with the with the dreamline they keep talking about this Dreamline that they're gonna come out with and the guy I was talking to he was like oh the the dreamline is a dream it ain't gonna happen so I was like all right well I'll, I'll grab the streamline you know so I grabbed that and had it for uh I think two months or so and then the 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 Dreamline came out <laughs> and I was like, well, should I be upset? Cause this thing is shooting lights out. I, I don't really have any complaints. You know, I don't know. I, I can understand how it can be frustrating, but at the same time, you know, FX is one of these companies that's pushing boundaries and, and innovating and, you know, pushing the sport in directions that no one else had before they saw potential in areas that no one else was taking seriously. And now it forces all the other companies to kind of step up their game and, you know, they keep adding all these features to their rifles and the price point really doesn't change, you know? So it's like, I I can't get upset with that. If it's pushing everybody into a better direction, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty much the same, same mindset. I mean, a lot of people think that I'm in with one air gun company versus another and I'm. Obviously with no one, I'm just kind of outside of, outside by my lonesome bowl by myself. But, um, I think it's, uh, it's a funny thing just to remark upon, but, you know, as long as the gun's fun and affordable, I'm usually interested in it. And even if it's not affordable, I'm interested in it as long as it's fun. So I think that's really the focus of the sport should be on the the fun part.
1: Yeah. I I like them all. I don't slut shame me, but I like, I love them all. (laughs) Just keep keep making them better and keep pumping them out and keep the price point somewhere where it's, you know, at least somewhat reasonable and uh, attainable for the average shooter.
0: Yeah, some of these uh, gun prices now, air gun prices now are just incredibly high. It's, kind of insane i think that one thing for me though is if you buy a a more expensive gun that will last it's kind of worthwhile to do so because at some point they're going to be regulating these things at least that's kind of what i think about
1: they it it might be and it's something that's in the back of my mind too you know especially when you see uh you know uh, this lead ban that they're pushing in england it's like well Let's hope nobody catches on to that over here.
0: Yeah, there is some bill, I think it was called like HR 405 or some bill like that that was an anti lead bill. I don't remember if it was just California or for the entire United States, but I remember thinking it wasn't going to pass, but it was obviously the first attempt at getting like anti-gun in Congress behind it. But there is really no alternative for subsonic speeds.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like those guys over in England with their sub-12 guns, it's so like what what are they gonna do now? All these guns have been designed and tuned for that ammunition. And we have them to thank for these amazing air guns that everybody has now because everybody else was dealing with firearms and powder burners, you know, especially over here in America, while they weren't allowed to have them. So they have fine-tuned these things so well and so precisely that they can be that accurate and now you take away the one thing that makes them as accurate as they are which is you know quality lead ammunition now what now what are these guys going to do with their collections now now what do you you know what are you going to do for pest control and you know it's just and hunting small game hunting for them over there it's 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 a a, a tradition that goes back centuries you know, you know, the going out and grabbing some rabbits and throwing them in the pot, you know, to to get you through the week without having to spend money at the grocery store. You know, to take that away from them is just disgraceful and sinful, if you ask me.
0: You know, all this stuff comes from the ground anyway. It
1: all comes from the ground.
0: I did see an interesting uh, report in California about the bald eagles having lead poisoning but i thought the culprit would probably be fishing not hunting because all these all these fishermen are losing their uh lead weight in the rivers all the time and those bald e- eagles eat a lot of fish so um naturally that could be the source of it but of course they're going to blame it all on you know air guns and guns and stuff like that
1: whatever. yeah and and how much of it is uh through industry, you know? Who knows? Who knows where it's coming from? But I, I highly doubt it's from ammunition and from pellets. You know, it, it doesn't ring true to me.
0: Well, you know, it's like that uh, scene in Platoon where he says, like, everyone's got to die someday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true. as well have fun while we're here. Yeah, a little
0: little bit of that's not going to hurt you. Segwaying here, what's your favorite PCP then?
1: You know, like I said, that American Air Arms, that Evolve... Line is hard to beat. Like I said, it's just he's got he's got it like this magic touch to them to where they will shoot pellets and slugs equally well if you find the right weight and it's they're they're just amazingly well built. The quality control is it's all in house, you know, except for a, a few parts. He does it all himself. And so when you have somebody who's that vested in it and, and keeping the the quality high and keeping the gun as simple as possible, it, it makes such a huge difference for the end product. And for, you know, to be able to, to just go to my safe and, and pull it out and go out and, you know, either throw some lead downrange at some targets or to take some, some pest animals on my property. It's just a no brainer. I don't, I don't have to think about anything. It's just, it's ready to roll.
0: Yeah. I was uh, lucky enough to be able to shoot one as a, like at the demo stage at the last EBR. And when I held it, I was like, wow, this thing is, this thing's like a real firearm. You know what I mean? feels like one.
1: Exactly. It's solid. You shake, you shake. It doesn't make a noise.
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't get that often with air guns, maybe like one out of a hundred.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love, I love my, uh, my FX crown and the ability to tune it and change calibers and, you know, go from a, a pellet liner to a slug liner and all this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I'm busy, man. I'm work like 10, 11 hour days and my weekends that I, I want to spend with my wife and, you know, I got my, my twin brother that I take care of, too. And it's just, you know, that eats up a lot of time. And, you know, when I can either have, you know, spend my day tuning a gun to get it right for one, you know, specific ammo. Or I can grab, you know, an EVOL or, you know, my Ed Gunn Leshy and just go out and start shoot shooting. And, you know, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs>
0: It's it's a no-brainer. Do you have the Leshy 2 or the Leshy Classic?
1: Leshy Classic. The Leshy 2 looks fun, but it it kind of lost me in a way because uh it just got to be more and more and more. If you know what I mean with the semi-auto and then the extra tanks and the this and the that and you can put the rails on it. And, and that's great for a lot of people and they want that. I don't need semi-auto. You know, if I'm shooting pests, hopefully I, all I need is the one.
0: All those accessories too are really, really expensive for the leshy and the leshy too. And and again, you know, it,
1: they're all quality and, you know, you buy quality once, you cry once. If you buy some piece of shit, and, you know, you're going to always be messing with it, trying to get it to to do what it was supposed to do and it doesn't ever meet your expectations so so i get that you know they're expensive and the parts are expensive the accessories are expensive i get it and you buy it once and there you go there's your dream gun and you're off to the races but for me the thing about the leshy that really romanced me was its simplicity the way it broke down in half you know you could fold it and throw in a backpack and you could change calibers on the fly it was just the simplicity of it again like the like the EVOL, the simplicity and the the build quality it's built like a tank you know it's a field gun you can take it out you don't have to baby it it's ready to roll at a moment's notice
0: so um are you doing any competing or have you done any in the past
1: i would like to um i used to compete in firearms and I miss it to a certain extent. To a certain extent, not doing it kind of frees me up to do other stuff. But, you know, I've always had that that background. My, my family has been competitive shooters for generations. My older brothers went to Camp Perry and, and medaled at the Nationals when I was, you know, I think, before I was born. Uh, they're, they're much older than me, by the way. My, my twin brother and I, I think, we're, uh, were a mistake or a surprise, I should say. Maybe depending on what day it was, he asked my parents. It was either a surprise or a mistake.
0: So aside from just the higher end guns, you also have some entry level guns. You you obviously got David into the sport with like a gauntlet, right? And you have a gauntlet yourself too. I do. I, I you know I don't really shoot that one very much. It kind of sits around. But
1: the uh, I I also got the uh, the uh, Avenger, the Air Venturi Avenger, and and what a. What a smoking deal when that came out, you know? 300 bucks, side lever, regulated. Uh, It was just, you know, a really, really cool gun. The only problem with it was the the stock on it was so flimsy that, you know, depending on how you held it or what position you were in, either standing or kneeling or or, uh, prone or leaning against something, it would change your point of impact. And that was, you know, one of the reasons that uh, Dave took that one on to, to, to fix that with his uh, barrel band design and to, to remove the stock from the equation, as it were, it just totally divorces any movement from the stock to the barrel. And it, you know, I mean, the guy's a, a mad scientist and a genius. He, uh, he downplays it a lot. He says he's he's not very smart. He's just the most persistent guy in the room.
0: He's smart. He's a he he's a smart guy. Yeah, at a shot show it was uh, very revealing on just his intelligence because you'd he'd, he'd find like really remarkable stuff just on the corner of his eye kind of stuff you just gravitate to it like especially with AR platforms you'd see some like really cool graphite made stuff and some of it too was really boring for me like he'd be like oh man this is the coolest thing ever and like I would look at him like okay that's like a clump of metal that was made with additive manufacturing but still to me it was a uh, you know a clump of metal
1: yeah he comes from an engineer slash designer uh mentality you know he he sees when people come up with a cool design and a clean execution. And that's what he really respects.
0: Are you going to uh, RMAC or EBR this year?
1: I think we're probably going to go to both. I know we're going to RMAC. We'll probably be going to ER because it's right up the road from us. Last year, we we didn't even get a hotel or anything. We just drove up every single day.
0: So you're only like 20 or 30 minutes away or something like that?
1: Nah, yeah, we're about an hour, hour 20, something like that. But it's you know it's not that bad. We take the back way, so it's a it's a pretty drive.
0: Well, that's definitely better than like uh, paying two hundred bucks for a hotel now or like two fifty. It's so expensive these days. Well, to me too, what makes it makes it really frustrating is that I'm just like paying for sheets. That's what I feel like because I don't use the rest of the room. I'm just using the bed, right? So, two hundred fifty bucks to lay on some sheets.
1: Yeah. Well, you you spend uh, you know the day at uh, EBR, you're gonna be dirty. It's uh, sweaty and dusty, and uh, yeah, you'll be dirty.
0: Yeah, I want to uh, stay at that campground right next to the shooting range. A lot of the older guys that I record totally stay there, so I guess I'm kind of, um, you know, insulting them right now by calling them geezers and stuff. But just keep that on the D L. But I want to stay there. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny um all right well i think we've come to a natural close here so let's go ahead and end the episode but uh thank you so much again for coming on the atlas arrogance podcast i knew when david mentioned to you that you'd be a good candidate to have on so i'm glad i had you on and you're always welcome back on obviously and hopefully i see you and david soon
1: well thanks for asking me like i said before i wasn't sure what i could add to the conversation of arrogance but it's sure fun talking to you and uh uh look forward to meeting you in person and uh shoot the shit, maybe throw back a beer or two.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, talk to you later.
1: All right, brother. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Atlas Airguns podcast. Make sure to like with a five-star rating, share, and subscribe. Have a question? email atlasairguns at gmail.com